All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, glad you guys are here today. My name is Jared. I'm one of the elders here at Mercy Hill Church, and we're grateful that you guys chose to come out today and gather with us as the body of Christ as we worship together. Uh, we have an exciting day today. Um, we're going to hear just a few updates on some ministries of Mercy Hill Church, and we're also going to cap everything off uh, with the baptism. So we're excited to celebrate together what God has done and what He continues to do in our midst. And uh, so it should be a fun day together. We're excited you guys are here. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, and we're going to kick things off with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, you are good, and God, we are, we are grateful that we can gather together this morning. God, that we, we gathered, God, not, not only as your servants, God, not only as worshipers, and God, not only as followers, but God, we gather as your children. God, who are loved and who are accepted because of the person and the work of Jesus. And Father, we celebrate that this morning. God, if we have nothing else to celebrate in this world, God, we can celebrate that. And so, God, we are thankful, God, for the saving work of Jesus. God, thank you that we can celebrate that today through, uh, God, the picture of baptism. God, we just pray that this morning, that as, as we just spend time together as family, that, God, you would be honored in this place. God, as we sing songs about you and as we hear your word taught, and God, even as we observe the picture of baptism, God, may we be reminded of the truths and the good news of the gospel. Father, we pray that, uh, that God, as we spend time this morning, that, God, you would stir up our hearts for you. That, God, those of us who, who come into this place, God, feeling dry and distant, that, God, you would draw us near to your heart. That, God, you would ignite in us a passion and a, and a desire for your name and for your kingdom. And, God, where we have forgotten, God, that Jesus is better. God, remind us this morning, better than all this world has to offer. God, better than what we think we need and what we think we deserve. God, better than what, what everything around us, God, tells us is good for us. God, Jesus is better. God, remind us of that truth this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would look at the screens with me at 1 Chronicles 16. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in, are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Let's bring glory to God with our worship this morning. If you would bow your heads with me. 
Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to worship you uh, together today, or whether that's through the live stream or in person, God. God, we want to lift you up this morning. We want to lift up you with praise. God, we just ask that uh, the things of this week, the, the sins, the moments that we've broken down, God, we just, we come to you and we ask for your forgiveness for those, God. God, we're so thankful for your son that he died on the cross for us and the wonderful and amazing things that that truly means for each one of us here today. So God, we're so thankful for that. We're thankful for all the things you've done for us. Here I pray, amen. If you would look at the screens with me at James 5. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotten and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid upon treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Then it says in 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings him back, a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death and will, co and will cover a multitude of sins. What a great picture of forgiveness and a great picture of evangelism. Take the, the moment that you have throughout your day that you see people who may be lost. Take that fear that a lot of us might have to go and talk to them about, about that God that is in your heart and that is all around you. Uh, let's continue to sing. Hi, everybody. I'm glad to see you guys. My name is Jessica. I know a lot of you. We are going to read a beautiful story that helps us learn how to pray. This is what Jesus said about how to pray. In those days, there were some extra super holy people, at least that's what they thought, and they were called Pharisees. Every day they would stand out there in the middle of the street and pray out loud in big, extra, super holy voices. They really weren't praying so much as just showing off. 
They used lots of special words that were so clever, no one really understood what they meant. People walking by would stop and stare, which might sound rude, except that that's exactly what the extra super holy people really wanted. They wanted everyone to say, look at them, they're so holy. God must love those people the best. Now think about it. Do you think God loves people best when they're super holy, when they do the right thing all the time? Is that why God loves us best? Now you and I both know that they were wrong. That's good news. God doesn't just love holy people. God loves all of us. But the people walking by weren't so sure. Perhaps you did have to be really clever or good or important for God to love you. Perhaps you had to know lots of difficult, clever words to speak to God in a way he could listen. So one day, Jesus taught people how to pray. I love this picture of Jesus. Do you see? Where are the children? Jesus said, let the children come to me. They're right in his lap. And he said, when you pray, don't pray like those extra super holy people. They think if they say lots of words, God will hear them. But it's not because you're so clever or good or so important that God listens to you. God listens to you because he loves you. Did you know that God is always listening to you? Did you know that God can hear even the quietest whisper deep inside your heart? Even before you've started to say it? Because God knows exactly what you need even before you ask him, Jesus told them. You see, God just can't wait to give you all that you need. So you don't even need to use long words or special words. You don't even have to use a special voice. You just have to talk. So when you pray, pray in your normal voice, just like you're talking to someone you love very much. Like this. Hello, Daddy. We want to know you and be close to you. Please show us how. Make everything in the world right again, and in our hearts too. Do what is best, just like you do in heaven, and please do it down here too. Please give us, give us everything we need today. Forgive us for doing wrong, for hurting you and others. Forgive us just as we forgive other people when they hurt us. Rescue us. We need you. We don't want to keep running away and hiding from you. Keep us safe from our enemies. You are strong, God. You can do whatever you want, God. You are in charge, God. Now and forever and for always, we think you're great. Amen. Yes, we do. You see, Jesus was showing people that God would always love them with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. So they didn't need to hide anymore or be afraid or be ashamed. They could stop running away from God and they could run to him instead as a little child runs into her daddy's arms. That is good news. Friends, there are a lot of people in this room who might have big feelings about starting school tomorrow. Can you raise your hand if you're starting school tomorrow? If maybe you started already and you're about to go to school tomorrow too. So let me pray 
over you because God will be with you. Lord Jesus, you are God and we are not. And you carry us and you are in charge of all the things that we're not in charge of. You love each of us and you know what we need. So I pray that you would provide the things that we need, that you would speak to our hearts in our anxiety or fear or loneliness, that you would speak to our hearts right in the middle of it, that you are with us and that you are good and that we can trust you and that we can lean into your love for us. Pray that you would go before these children and wrap them up in your love. Let them know deep down in your, their hearts that they are precious and dearly loved no matter what. And I pray that you would um, fill them up with your love and your light so that they might experience it, but also be able to share it with others, even with their teachers. I pray for their teachers that you would give them courage and peace. I pray this because we need you and because you are God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Jessica. Well, good morning and welcome to Mercy Hill Church. We're grateful to worship with you, whether you're here in person or whether you're worshiping with us on the live stream. Uh, it's really good to be with you. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a brand new series studying through the book of Philippians. I'm really excited about that. We'll be in Philippians through the rest of the summer and use that term summer loosely. It's summer in Memphis until late October sometimes. Um, through the rest of the summer and the fall and super excited about all the good stuff that's in Philippians. But today we're going to have a, a family meeting and I just want to update you on a lot of stuff. I know some of you are guests who, hear, who are here today. We're going to look at Ephesians 4 so the, there's a lot you're going to learn about who Jesus has called us to be as the church. And there's been so much that's happened in this last year that typically we would take a Sunday evening, we would pull our covenant partners together, those people who are members, and we would share all this information with them. But we just felt like there's so much that's going on, and uh, we see where God's at work, and we see some other areas where we can grow. And so we just wanted to share that with everyone today. And we're going to do that by looking at Ephesians 4. So grab a Bible and turn with me to Ephesians 4. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have an app on your phone, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. Ephesians 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 as Paul writes. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Skip down to verse 11. You can study verses 9 and 10 on your own. Go back and read Psalm 68. It's, um, it's looking at Psalm 68. Look at verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's four characteristics of healthy churches that I want to draw our attention to from this passage today. And the first is that healthy churches see Jesus as the head. Look at verse 15. Healthy churches see Jesus as the head. And that means that you don't have permission to give up on the church. Let me say that again. You don't have permission as a follower of Jesus to give up on the church. Because it's not your church and it's not my church. It's Jesus' church. And so... As long as we're followers of Jesus, we don't have permission to abandon his church. But with that being said, you do have permission to leave unhealthy churches that are filled with prideful leaders who make the church all about their own fame and success or use their positions of power rather than bringing them together for growth and healing and churches that would bring glory to Jesus. So many churches today, their mission is not Jesus. They talk more about their brand and their personalities than they do about giving glory to Jesus. But the book of Ephesians, and I hope you ate your Wheaties this morning for just a second. Because if you look at the book of Ephesians, if you look at chapter 1 verse 10, you see that God's eternal plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's God's plan. It's the ultimate plan. book of Ephesians shows that to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Which means that it's under Christ that we find healing. It's under Christ that we'll find justice. It's under Christ that we will find love and peace and joy and there's no other name, there's no other cause, there's no other organization that will bring unity. It's only Jesus. One of my kids this last uh, spring trusted Christ. And he's been around church his whole life because he's stuck with me. And not only has he been around church, but he's 
had a dad who's a church planner for the last 20 years, so he's been busy doing the work of the church, or at least going through the motions. But this summer, he said, as we were talking about how to make a difference in the world, he said, man, there's so many people who are wanting to make a difference in the world. If you really are, if you're a follower of Jesus and you want to make a difference in the world, really, all you have to do is just be a part of the church. I'm like, you get it. You finally get it. It's only the church that brings unity. It's only the gospel of Jesus that brings justice. It's only Jesus that brings peace. And if you're a part of anything else and you're saying this is the answer, you're going to miss it. I was thinking about that song we were singing this morning, that, that song, Endless Alleluia. That's what our lives, that's how we should live our lives as an endless Hallelujah to Jesus. But think for a moment what life would be like if we didn't have Jesus and you weren't part of the church. Think what your life would be like if we didn't have the church. Think about what your group of friends would be like. Think about how you would spend your time. How would you know what's truly important? How would you know where to find peace? If I wasn't a follower of Jesus, if I didn't have the church, my life would look completely different. My finances would look completely different. I wouldn't live where I live. I wouldn't drive the cars I drive. There would be nothing about my life that would look like it looks. But because we have Jesus in the church, our lives look completely different because he's the only thing that matters. He's bringing everything in unity under his plan. And he's going to do that through the church and through his gospel. And that means when we show up here on a Sunday, and it's not just on Sundays because there's nothing special about this building. But when we are reminded who we are as the church, what we do matters. He goes on in in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 and he points to the church as the centerpiece of God's plan. Listen to this. I think I've got it on the screens for you. Ephesians 3, verse 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me read that again. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Jesus' church is made up of individual congregations, Individual families of believers all over the world, on every continent, in every culture. We are a brilliant display of His beautiful plan. Salvation, restoration, wholeness. So much so that Ephesians 3.10 says that even the hostile powers of Satan are forced to recognize the triumph of God's eternal plan to gather people from everywhere under Jesus. I was thinking about a Revelation 7 this morning as we were singing that song, Endless Hallelujah. And you get this picture in Revelation 7 that John's got this vision and he says in verse 9, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. 
and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And listen what happens. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What does that mean? It means that what God does through your life through the church is so important that angels respond. Do you see that? What we do with our lives matters. And there's this temptation to think that we can dismiss the church. The church is a big deal. Why? Because it's Jesus' church. He's the head and he is king. The church displays, it displays the manifold wisdom of God. Now, a lot of people, they think about that. They have this idea, and this is so frequent throughout Western Christianity today, is that we have this idea that we can follow Jesus alone. And that a church is kind of optional. Like it's kind of plan B. As if you could follow Jesus and have a personal relationship with him without being a part of the church. Ephesians 3 says... It disproves that. It says, you will not display the manifold wisdom of God through your individual life. And there's a whole ton of reasons why we could explain that. But there's so many people who are just saying, you know what, I've given up on the church. Because the church is full of, of, of just all kinds of hurts. We've experienced trauma in the church. Church is filled with hypocrites. And that's all true. You say, well, not every church is filled with a hypocrite. It will be as soon as you join it. Because the church is nothing more and nothing less than what's taking place in our individual lives as we live worshiping Jesus in our families. That's who the church is. The church is not the big personalities that are on stage. The church is not the branding behind the logos. The church is the hearts of God's people worshiping Him in an endless hallelujah or else worshiping themselves. There's very little in between. And what that means is that every church in every place in every time is in need of reform and renewal, including this one. Everyone. But God hasn't abandoned this church, and so neither can we. We live in a day and time in which people are negative, they're critical, they're opinionated, they're individualist, who think they know it all, quite frankly. And I hear so many people who are speaking of deconstructing Christianity or deconstructing the church. And I say, that's fine. Tear it all down. Tear it down. Because when you get to the bottom, what you will find is you will find a cross and an empty tomb and a risen Savior. And if you worship Him, guess what? You're part of the church. And you're going to have to figure out what it means to follow him with a group of believers. It's fine. Tear it down. The gospel and Jesus' church will remain unchanged. Don't abandon Jesus' church. It's not your right. It's not about you. It's for his fame and his glory. He says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus ain't worried about his church. 
That's just the intro. All right, we can move on. Secondly, he says that healthy churches not only see Jesus as the head, but healthy churches grow in holiness and in number. They grow in holiness and in number. And this is amazing if you look at how Paul is writing this. Look at verse 1. You notice something. I just thought, praise God that Paul wrote the Bible and that none of us wrote it. Look at verse 1 and look at the context. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, comma. That's all you get. That's all he has to say about that. Can you imagine if one of us wrote this today? How much we'd bellyache and complain and ask for a special prayer meeting that you'd pray us out of jail. Paul says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. No big deal. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. This is amazing. Paul is a prisoner. He's not worried about his own rights. He's not worried about his privileges or his safety or even his freedom. He's instructing the church at Ephesus. What is he most concerned about? That you walk in holiness. Paul's main concern is that this church would walk in holiness. He's saying no matter what your circumstances are, whether it's COVID, whether it's social and political unrest, no matter what cultural storms are raging around you, that you walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Listen to how he describes that. What does holiness look like? What does following Jesus look like? With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. As you think about that, this last year, as you think about being a part of Mercy Hill Church, as you think about being a part of Jesus Church, no matter where you were, did you walk in humility? Did you walk in patience? Were you eager to maintain unity? If not, the Holy Spirit will show you what what you need to repent of, who you need to go and talk to and apologize to. For the most part, I am thankful and grateful for for Mercy Hill Church's response during this time of COVID. For the most part. And, And that's God's grace. That we have been able to weather this storm and that by His grace and God's faithfulness in a tough year will continue to. The majority of our church... Um... It continues to remain involved in missional communities, meeting throughout the week and on Sunday mornings. I think probably about 90% of our church has returned, or continues to be involved, whether that's on the live stream or whether here in person. I talk with friends, and they say we're getting about 50 to 60% of our people back. Talked with uh, one friend in North Alabama, and he said, We started with 2,000 before COVID. 70 missional communities. This is a strong church that preaches the gospel. Good, healthy leadership. So we've got 600 now. So it's God's grace that we're continuing to follow Him. To not become distracted by uh, all the things that are around us. Praise God for that. But I just want to remind us. COVID was not a surprise to God. And God can use all things for His good. All things, especially difficulties and tragedies, and struggle, because it's in our weakness that He is strong. 
So we've experienced God's grace in a difficult year. And uh, I want to just share with you a few things that we see God doing uh, in the midst of it. So I'm going to ask Jared and Caitlin, if they would, just to come up for a minute. And um, I'm going to have them share just some things that we see um, God doing in uh, our elementary kids and also in our youth kids. So I think Caitlin will probably go first and tell us a little bit about elementary kids camp and what we have to expect for the fall. I think you're on. Try it again. All right, you should be good now. Awesome. Well, good morning. I'm really excited to be here and to just chat with you guys a little bit about the fall and just kind of our vision um, and mission for kids this fall and coming up. Um, We obviously, like everyone, have been in a time of transition in the last um, year and a half to two years. And we have our baby room and our preschool room back open. Um, but also recognize just the, well, we didn't have anything for kindergarten through fifth graders. And so um, throughout the fall, our plan is to host a Mercy Hill Kids Camp. And so what that looks like is, here it is, it's beautiful, the gospel, all people in all places. So four times over the fall, September 12th, 3rd, 14th, and 5th, We are at the church building um, downstairs, going to host what we would know as kind of a VBS type night. And um, we, the vision and mission of that just being that our kids would be able to gather with one another, hear the gospel on their level, and be in fellowship with kids their age. And so the most exciting part to me about this, well, there's multiple, but one of the most exciting parts about this is this event is going to be our youth, so 6th through 12th graders, their fall mission. So they are going to be the ones serving and sharing the gospel and leading the games and leading the creative. We're not doing crafts this time. We're going to majority of the time eat our crafts, so we're going to make things. Um, But we're going to just really enjoy learning about the gospel and using our youth who like spend time often like learning the gospel and how to share that and they're going to be able to share that with our kiddos kindergarten through fifth grade um and so we are going to partner with a ministry in Buena Vista Guatemala called Deep Stream Ministries and uh, Matt and Tiffany Nason have been connected with them for many many years and they run have a lot of education initiatives in Guatemala and we are going to to sponsor um, a kiddo to finish out her school year there. So we're going to raise money to do that and just kind of look at the gospel like, yes, here in Memphis, yes for us, but also around the world and um, just grow in our relationship with Jesus together. The fourth session says December 5th, parents too. That's because we're going to invite our parents. I don't know if y'all remember a couple years ago, we did something called Big Questions where Brad walked through um, just a curriculum of the gospel, and we um, did some activities and encouraged parents to have those gospel conversations with your kids. That's how we're going to wrap up our four sessions. And so really pushing into family discipleship and partnering with parents to be able to take that home and share those gospel truths with their kiddos. So it's different. 
It is, if you would have asked me a year ago, I don't know that I would have said it's what we had planned, but I do think the Lord has been so gracious in it. Um, and we're excited about the truths that are going to come through it. So you will get a save the date in the mail. Um, you'll get a little postcard. We, um, rumor has it, we're going to pie Brad in the face on the last day if we like raise all of our money. So I'm like super excited about that. Um, it's just going to be a really great time for our kids to hear about Jesus and for us to gather together. Well said, Caitlin. Thanks. <clears throat> All right. Um, yeah, so we are excited. Um, just as far as youth ministry goes, we're excited to, to hang out with, uh, with kids ministry and to serve in that way and be part of Mercy Hill Kids Camp. Um, again, my name is Jared, and I've, I've been hanging out with, uh, with youth and kiddos, I guess, since May of last year. Yep. Um, so our previous associate pastor left in May, and he was over the youth as well, and so we needed someone to fill in that, uh, that role. And I, I think last May, I submitted a proposal, um, I think it was a six-month interim position. That was 15 months ago. Um, so I've been serving as the interim uh, youth minister uh, for about the last 15 months, and I want to tell you guys how much a joy that has been. Um, we've had the privilege of spending time with your kiddos, um, of uh, just reading through God's Word together and sharing truths of the gospel together. And I've had the, the joy of being able to bring my young kids to come hang out with your slightly older kids. And uh, they've just been an incredible blessing to our family. Um, and so I want to say thank you for entrusting me uh, with your children and with that time. And it's truly been joyful. And we've walked through all the stages of Zoom meetings with youth, like has its own set of challenges. And we were um, over the last year just grateful to be able to transition to in-person meetings. And we've just really enjoyed um, being together. And so we're looking forward to the future. Uh, I think that God has a lot in store for this youth ministry. And um, one of those things is the, the Mercy Hill Kids Camp. And so we're excited to take all of the things that we learn about the gospel, all the, all the things that we um, that we hear about God doing and being able to implement just some real practical ways like, hey, here's, here's what service looks like. And we can even practice, hey, when we talk about sharing the gospel with people, like, like share the gospel with these kiddos. Oftentimes our children are the largest group of, of, of lost people in the church. And so we don't want to neglect that. We want to continue to share gospel truths with our children. And this is an incredible opportunity to do that. So God has some really great things in store for us in the future. I uh, wanted to share specifically something that we're kind of working towards. Um, like I said, I originally put in a, a six-month interim role, and uh, that was 15 months ago. And so we are actually going to be starting the process of looking for a youth intern. Um, so someone that has more flexibility, more availability than I have, who will be able to come in and work directly with our, with our youth ministry. Um, I'm, not, I'm not stepping completely away from, from youth ministry. So if there was an org chart, uh, it would, I would still be involved there as kind of the elder that's over youth ministry. And so that person is probably going to be reporting directly to me as far as, as far as leadership goes. So I'm still excited about giving leadership and vision to youth ministry. It's just going to be 
a little more from a, from a 30,000 foot view than kind of the on the ground view that we've been doing for the last 15 months. But we want to invite you guys to pray with us that God would send the right person to fill that role. Um, and, and like I said, we're excited. I think that God is on the move in our children and in our youth. And we're excited about what God has in store for the future. So, Awesome. <clears throat> Thanks, Jared. Yeah, I'll just add, we partner with All Saints Church, and their youth join us, and so when they all show up, we have a pretty, pretty good-sized youth group, and um, we're excited about uh, this potential hire for the future, and we'll share a little bit more information about some part-time hires uh, that we're going to make <clears throat> here in just a minute. I do want to thank our youth. This last year, our youth have been some of the best volunteers in our church. We have... Um, Three people who are always in the balcony who are running audio and video and pro presenter. And usually two of those three have been youth. And um, we have depended on our youth this last year. And they have been such great volunteers. So youth, I just want to say really well done. Thank you for the way that you serve Jesus at Mercy Hill. Um, I'll also say just the, the last update that I'll add to that. If we're talking about growth... Um, you know, one thing that's clear is I look back on this last year that um, our church has uh, Genesis 128. We, we haven't forgot about that. We, we've obeyed God's command. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. We've got like nine or ten babies. Like we have a lot of babies, yes, downstairs. And so that causes a lot of volunteers. And um we're, we're grateful for that, and um, we're thankful that we can invest in families. And um, we also have two missional communities that are going to be multiplying this, this fall. Um, I'm sending, Katie and I are sending Richard Murphy out of our group, and so we'll pray over Richard uh, next week. Richard, you can wave. Richard's going to be starting a missional community. Um, he's starting, I believe it's August 17th, so if you're interested, um, talk with Richard. Chris and Jamie Stewart are going to be sending Matt and Alyssa Roberts and their family out. Matt and Alyssa wave. And they're going to start a missional community um, right around Labor Day. They'll be casting some vision for it. So if you're interested in hearing more about that, they live in East Memphis. Um, not sure where their group's going to meet, but go and talk with them. They'd love to share more info with you. Those are exciting things that are happening in our church. <clears throat> we see growth. Paul's explaining in this passage how a church grows we grow in number and we grow in holiness. All churches that are seeking to glorify Jesus should be seeking to grow in both holiness and in number. Now too often in the last few decades we've separated those two things in churches. Too often we've worshipped celebrity pastors or programs and numeric success without really paying attention to people's character or their holiness or keeping humility in check. But we also need to be careful. And this is, I think, just something that I see that can be a danger in our church and also a danger in Soma churches. We're part of the Soma family of churches where we, have, where we say we seek to make disciples through missional communities. Where we live life on life, on mission for Jesus, in the everyday stuff of life. So everything is not centered around Sunday morning. This is not the only time that we're the church. But I think that one thing that we have to be careful of is that so many people have come from big mega church experiences. Let me just ask, how many of y'all 
have listened to or you're currently listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast. Okay. There's, a few, there's about that many more that I've talked to because y'all have talked to me about it because it's such a popular podcast. Here's the thing. It's really important that because you've been a part of a church that maybe didn't have a leader who had good character or didn't really glorify Jesus and was all about the church brand, it's really important that we don't swing the pendulum to the other side and kind of run in the church like monks and close the doors and just start brewing beer and all get drunk. You know what I mean? Like tapas monks who just like, they make really good beer, but they don't ever talk to anyone. And I think that there's a danger for many of us to kind of say, hey, the church isn't about all that other stuff. And I got burned. So I'm just going to go and close the doors and pay attention to me. Like I'm just going to brew really good beer and I'm just going to like take care of myself. It's really important that we remain on mission for Jesus because healthy churches always grow in holiness and in number. So as you think about that, spiritual growth comes through unity, it comes through ministry, and it comes through maturity. And I want to end with this today. I want to end by talking about ministry and maturity. And this is where I want you to really do a little self-evaluation. Healthy churches equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Look at verse 11. Healthy churches equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Paul is presenting a leadership structure in which elder, elders, deacons, and leaders train and equip the saints, that's you, in order to do the work of the ministry. Now currently we have three elders. I'm the only vocational elder who's paid full-time by the church. Chris Stewart and Jared Stigler are also elders who work full-time jobs. We are seeking to see this elder team grow. That's a desire that we have so that all the gifts are represented well. We have five new part-time staff hires that we want to announce. For the last 15 months... Uh, since Andrew Ginn left as our associate pastor, he went to Independent Presbyterian Church to pursue seminary. He's working on staff there. He still lives uh, behind me, next street over. I still see him running, still talk with him. I know you guys are still in relationship with Andrew and Ashley. We've missed Andrew over the last 15 months. And during this crazy season of COVID, kind of like Jared described, we were trying to figure out, like, how do we replace him? Andrew was a good friend who had grown into ministry here. He started off as a music leader. We crafted this associate pastor position around his gifting. And when he left in May of 2020, we were like, wow, there was a big hole that was left. Now, over the last 15 months, we've been praying and we've been seeking clarity. And we've been trying to hire a full-time position to replace him. And God just hasn't given us clarity on that. He hasn't given us peace on that. And over the last couple of months, we've been working in order to take everything that Andrew did and try to think about how, how we can replace his position. And, th and these are the hires that we feel like God has led us to. I'm super excited about this because of two things. One, we believe we see God at work maturing these people who are within our body. These are not people that we went outside and found. These are people who naturally have grown up, many of them who've been doing this ministry without being paid. 
And we're now able to pay them. And so these five part-time people are Stacy Sanders, who is our financial and planning center admin. Stacy's been doing this for years. We're thankful for Stacy and grateful for her. Caitlin Stigler is our kids ministry director. She's been our kids ministry director for years. Um, that's zero to fifth grade. We're now able to pay her a few hours a week in order uh, to pour into this ministry in order to accomplish more things. Michael Penn. We're removing the interim from Michael's position. And Michael is our part-time music director. As I've talked with Michael over the last few months, um, he shared with me his desire to continue to grow in this position. He shared with me how this is his favorite time of the week where he gets to do what he does here. He's told me multiple times, if you can't pay me, I'll do it for free. And we are grateful to be able to hire Michael um, as a part-time music director. Jordan Vess. Jordan, where are you at? Wave, Jordan. Jordan is going to be working with me doing some general administrative assistant work. Grateful for her. And then we are looking and praying for a youth intern. So if you know anyone that is interested, if you're interested, please let us know. We'd love to share more information with you about that. I'm excited that God is raising up leaders here at Mercy Hill. I'm excited to see Him do that. And I think this... This particular set of, this team of part-time people makes a lot of sense for who we are and where we are in the life of our church. Each of these positions could grow. Many of them are like five hours, five to ten hours. But as our church grows, each of these roles could grow in their capacity. And so we're excited for that. I also just want to say thanks. Uh, Bill Wells is sitting up in the balcony. Bill does all kind of stuff around the building that Samantha and Caitlin and I ask him to do. And so you don't ever notice any of it. But there's always toilet paper there. And there's always soap there in the dispenser. And like Bill has helped us with a lot of projects where we're slowly upgrading some things around this building. And we're really grateful for you, Bill, and the time that you give to that. Samantha, we're really grateful for you. Samantha's here early every Sunday. She's here sometimes on the weekends. She and Robert are cleaning, doing things around the church. She works with our connection team and our hospitality team. She doesn't get paid. Samantha, we're so grateful for you. She reminded me of like three things this morning that I needed to do. She's thinking ahead. And so really, really thankful. And then last but not least, uh, Kristen isn't here this morning, but Kristen Penn. Our website stopped working several months ago. The template that we had used in the past wasn't updated anymore. And Kristen took that and spent, I don't know, dozens of hours for free and completely redid our website. She teaches coding at East High and we're so grateful for her. So Kristen, thank you. This is just a few examples. But I want to end with this. Healthy churches are made up of members who are all working properly. That's what verse 16 says. This is where I want you to stop and think. Healthy churches are made up of members who are all working properly. Last year during the pandemic... Uh, my wife came up with a lot of different ideas of how we could spend our time. And I was in agreement with them, with most of them. The chickens was one that was, that was all her idea. But in our yard, we did all this different stuff. We busted up concrete with a jackhammer and hauled it off. We, we loaded in tons of uh, pallets of, uh, of grass and rock and and construction sand. I think I totaled up and it was like 20,000 pounds of material that we moved over a few weekends. Well, as a result of that, I got a frozen shoulder. And it's just like trauma to your shoulder. 
And over the last year, my shoulder does not work right. I lay in the bed with a pillow on either side of me and I wake up every morning and I do these little old lady exercises trying to get my shoulder unlocked. Like, I do not work right because I have a frozen shoulder. I can't get back in the gym lifting weights. My kids are like, you want to play a little one-armed basketball with us? I can't really shoot. My body is messed up because I have a frozen shoulder. It does not work properly. Here's the deal. After COVID, and this is true at our church and it's true at a lot of churches. One of the trends that I've seen and other pastors have said the same thing. Yes, people returned, but they didn't return. Their attendance isn't as frequent and their level of service is much lower. Meaning, everybody still has the same expectations, right? Like, y'all probably don't want us to do an elementary kids camp. You probably want your kids in elementary classes on Sunday mornings. It would take 16 extra adults who are not currently serving to serve once a month in our two classes in order for us to have elementary classes. That's why I told Caitlin, we're not going back to pre-COVID. Our church is not what it was like before COVID. We're going to look at who we are now, and we're going to dream about who God wants us to be. And her team came up with this great idea of doing a kids camp where we're still serving our elementary kids. We're still giving them material at their level. We're still uh, helping their parents to disciple them in the truth of the gospel and share the gospel with them. But we're not able to do that on Sunday mornings. Honestly, why not? Because we don't have people who are volunteering. That's the bottom line. So as you think about your own life, I'm just going to ask you a brutally honest question. If the church of Jesus Christ around the world followed him at the level of health that you have followed Jesus in this last year, how healthy would the church of Jesus be? And that's just to say, if you are a regular attender at Mercy Hill Church, we need your help. It's kind of like I tell my kids at home. They hear that, I pull this out from time to time. I have dozens of dad phrases that they hate. And this is one of them. We ain't got no maid. I know it's not proper English. I'm sorry, teachers. But they walk around and I say, we ain't got no maid. And they look at me and they know exactly what to do. It means that they need to go pick up their plates, that they need to take them out of the sink and put them in the dishwasher. It means their pile of clothes, they need to go and wash. I'm just reminding them, at our home, I hope you have a maid. At our home, we don't have a maid. And that means that you clean up after yourself. And my kids, like, they slowly are learning that. And in the same way, I would just say here at Mercy Hill, we don't have a maid. Like, I am the full-time staff member. And so as you look around, if you want us to have elementary classes, like here's a hint. If your kids are being served by Mercy Hill Kids, you should be volunteering at least once a month. Because we don't have a maid. Like we don't have full-time paid people who are down there. If we want to see more people baptized, we've baptized three people so far this year. We will after this morning. If we want to see more people come to know Jesus... Start out by joining the connection team on Sunday morning. Lost people are walking into a building filled with Christians. It does not get any easier than to smile at them, talk to them, 
be a friend and ask, can I take you to lunch? Like evangelism will not get easier. Here's the thing that I want us to recognize. There's a lot of different ways that you can cast vision as a pastor for needing volunteers. And believe me, I have heard a lot of them. And a lot of them are bad. And the last thing that I want to do is guilt you into doing something. Because I know how that works. I can guilt enough people into being a part of our connection team that Samantha will tell me, I've gone from six members on my team to 12. But in six months, we'll be back down to six. I know how this works, okay? But here's what I want you to recognize. If you love Jesus, no one has to motivate you to serve his church. Because you love Jesus and you know that he loves his church. And so you care about the things that he cares about. And so I just want to ask you, evaluate your heart and your life. If you are not involved in the local church, giving your time, your attention, your finances, what does that say about your heart? And I want to encourage you, I'm not asking you as a result of today to go and start doing something. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you to evaluate your heart and asking, why don't I love Jesus? What do I need to do? How do I need to repent? How do I need to begin following him? Now, I will say as a footnote, one of the easiest ways to begin following Jesus is to do it with other people. And so, one of the first things I would tell you to do is volunteer for something. Like, it's amazing. You will show up more frequently if you're on a team because you know you're expected and you know you're needed. And so, really quick, you're, if you're like, hey, I want to get involved, how could you? Well, there's, there's really four areas Michael has mentioned over and over again, we need more band members. We need more people who can sing. I think I've got some email addresses that you can put up on the screen, Johannes. Yeah, so on our AV and our band, we need more help. The same people are in the booth every week. They, they want to worship as well. And so they're up there every week. Robert's running sound every week. Thank you, Robert. Um, but you don't have to know a lot about audio video. Like, we'll teach you. Robert had never run sound before. We taught him how to run sound, right? And so, if you want to be involved, talk with Michael. Uh, kids, talk with Caitlin. Youth, talk with Jared. If you want to be on the connection team or help out with hospitality, talk with Samantha. If you don't have all these email addresses, just you can email info at mercyhillmemphis.org and we will help you know where you can be involved in serving. I talk with a lot of people and they say, you know, I just, I don't really know how to figure out like what I'm good at or I don't know how to figure out where I should serve. Let me, we make this super hard. It's really easy. Like I, I was up here about five hours yesterday and I was, I was behind the bushes on the side of the church cutting a bunch of trees out of the shrubbery. That's not in my job description. It's not even in our lease. I just got sick of looking at the trees. And so I came up here on a Saturday and was like, I'm just going to get this knocked out because I'm sick of it. Like, just look around and see what needs to be done. That is the first thing. This is not about gifting. Like, what needs to be done? Bill Rice shows up and cleans the toilets here every Sunday morning because he got involved on the connection team and he learned that that was something that needed to be done. I don't know. I doubt Bill even cleans the toilets at his own house. But he, he shows up here and he cleans the toilets because it was something that needed to be done. So we make this way too complicated. Second, what do you enjoy doing? Like, what are you good at? 
And then what, what just fuels you? Like what gives you energy and passion? Like I enjoyed chopping that stuff out of the flower bed yesterday because I knew it was going to look good. And I like working outside. I work inside all week long. So don't, don't feel bad for me. I volunteered to do it. No big deal. I enjoyed it. What do you enjoy doing? Think about those things. And think about how is God calling you to be a part of his church? Because listen, folks, being a part of God's church matters. I am convinced that Jesus wants to bring unity to all things under his name. His plan to do that is his church. He's not worried about it. He's going to receive glory through it. And there is nothing under all creation that you can be a part of that will make a greater difference than being a part of his church. Listen, I've been a part of enough bad churches. And this might just be my own kind of phobia. But I just want to say, this is not about me. And this is not about Mercy Hill. There's a bunch of you who are here this morning. You're not even part of the church. Go back to your local church and get involved. This is about our hearts and seeing the kingdom of God advanced. Because when our hearts are directed to Jesus, his church becomes unstoppable. And he does amazing things. And I'm excited to see what could happen in Memphis, Tennessee if a group of people said in 2021 and 2022, no matter what comes, our hope is that we would love Jesus more. That's our desire. That's our mission. Love Jesus more. He would take care of the rest. Let's do that. Pray with me. Master Band, if they would, to come up. Father, thank you. You've given us this privilege and this opportunity to be a part of something so wonderful as your church. God, that we would be a part of the manifold wisdom being made known to the world. Your manifold wisdom, your beauty, your glory. There's nothing greater than seeing your name worshipped throughout all of creation. God, I pray that you would show us, each of us, show me in my life, show each of us in our lives the ways that we've become distracted. God, the ways that we have uh, turned inward. God, the ways that we have lost perspective on a lost world who does not know you. Jesus, would you give us a heart for those who don't know your glory? who don't know you as their risen Savior. God, would you show us how we need to redirect our hearts back to you? We can't do it on our own. So God, would you enable us as we repent by faith? God, would you point us back to you and give us hearts of love, hearts that desire to worship you, hearts that desire to make much of you, hearts that desire to live our lives for your glory for your fame. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand together with us in worship? All right. It's time for a baptism. So let's celebrate that. Uh, Before we go, kids, or parents who have kids in the baby area, if you go get those before we head outside. Thanks. I did not think that through before I said it.